This week, Prashat Bahar, I would like to talk about Shemitah and Har Sinai. Prashat Bahar famously opens as follows, Ve'ikra Perek Kafei, Pasek Aleph says as follows, Ve'idabar Hashem Moshe Bahar Sinai Neymar, God spoke to Moshe at Har Sinai, and what did he say to him? Pasek Bet, Daber el b'nei Yisrael v'amata alehem, Speak to B'nai Yisrael and say to them, Ki When you come to the land, Asher Ninotein Lachem, that I'm going to give you, Vishavta Ha'aretz, Shabbat Lashem. And the land will rest a Sabbath to God, a Shabbat Lashem. And the Psukim go on with the various laws of Shemitah, Pasukim al Shanim Tizras Adecha, Shanim Tizmar Kamecha, six years one sows one's field, and six years one tends or prunes one's vineyard, Vasavta Tvota, and gathers your grain, one works for six years, and going on in the Pesukim, Bashana Hashviyet, Shabbat Shabbaton, Yela Aretz. In the seventh year, it will be a Sabbath of Sabbaths, Shabbat Shabbaton for the land, Shabbat Lashem, again, etc. So here, of course, we have the prohibition of labor, as the Torah goes on, Sadcha Lo Tizra, Vekamacha Lo Tizmar. And Rashi famously remarked, Ma'inyan Shemitah Etzel Har Sinai. Uh, why here, in the context of the laws of Shemitah, in the laws of the seventh year, in the prohibition of Melacha, that the Torah goes on to elucidate here, um, do we have the particular mention of the context of Har Sinai? And Rashi famously answers what Rashi famously answers, which we will not explore in this sheet work. However, um, in the minds of the Mefarshei Hapshat, uh, chief amongst them, Ramban and Ibn Ezra, the connection between Shemitah and Har Sinai appears in a, a slightly different light. Or the problem of the mention uh, of Har Sinai at the beginning of this Persia um, appears in a slightly different light. And this might be thought of uh, more as a, a larger question of Ma Inyan Parshat Har Sinai. Uh, what is the connection or the meaning of a parsha that specifically seems to be about Har Sinai, not so much in connection to Shemitah, but in connection to Sefer Vayikra? And let me explain a little bit what I mean by this, because this is more or less the question I want to try to explore in uh, this sheet work. And to understand this, we have to kind of think about the continuity or the, the, the flow of events here towards the end of Sefer Vayikra, towards about what happens here in Parak Kafei and Parak Kafav, uh, what we tend to think of as Parshiot Bahar and Bichukotai uh, together. Now, of course, the Torah begins here in Parak Kafei, Pasuk Aleph through Zion, with the laws of the seventh year, with the laws of Shemitah, the prohibition of Melacha, and we more or less have worked through these Psukim already. But beginning in Pasuk Chet, Parak Kafei, Pasuk Chet, the Torah says as follows, V'safarta lecha sheva shabbatot shanim sheva shanim sheva pamim. Count for yourselves seven of these sabbatical years, seven times, and then eventually we get to the 49th and the 50th year, and then at the end of the seven sevens we have Yovel. And here in Parak Kafei, after um, the laws of Shemitah, we have the laws of Yovel, and all of the various laws of Avadim and the like that are in some way or another associated with Yovel. After Shemitah and Yovel in Parak Kafei, Pasak Va, uh, and uh, Parak Kafei, we get to Parak Kavav. And Parakavav, which is primarily Parshat Bukhukotai, uh, in Parakavav Pasagimel, the Torah tells us, Im Bukhukotai Telechu Vim Mitzvotai Tishmaru Vasitem Otam, 
we get a discourse on the various brachot that come to Am Yisrael for keeping uh, the mitzvot. And after the brachot, we of course get the kolot. And these, of course, it turns out by the time we get to the end of Parak Kavav, the brachot and the kolot of Parshat B'chotai are, in some sense, the conditions of a Brit, of a covenant that exists between God and the Jewish people. If one keeps the mitzvot, then things go well and the land flourishes. And of course, if one does not keep the mitzvot, if one sins, then one is expelled from the land and things are horrible. And finally, towards the end of Perak after the entire discourse about the brachot and the kalot and the brit, God promises that even after um, the expulsion from the land, that he will remember the covenant and he will return on Yisrael. And the end of Parak Kafav, I'm jumping now to Parak Kafav, Pasuk Mem Hey, says as follows, V'zachati lahem brit rishonim asher hotzeti otam eretz mitzrayim I will remember for them the covenant of the earlier forefathers of the earlier ones asher hotzeti otam eretz mitzrayim that I took them out of Egypt they ne hagayim in front of the eyes of the nations liot lahem so God promises to remember the covenant and then finally at the very end of this entire lengthy story of Shemitah and Yovel and all the laws associated with it and Bracha and Klala and Covenant we get the following Pasuk a summary verse. These are the laws and the statutes and the Torah and the procedures that God gave between Himself and B'nai Israel, placed between Himself and B'nai Israel. Bahar Sinai Biad Moshe. In point of fact, it's not just that Vayikra Parakafei Pasuk Aleph opens with a strange and interesting mention of Har Sinai. But the entire unit of Parakafe and Parakafav, the Shemitah, Yovel, legal aspects of Shemitah and Yovel, Bracha, Klala, and Brit, ends with another mention of Har Sinai. All of Parakafe and Parakafav taken together is a kind of Parshat Sinai, which consists of Shemitah, Yovel, etc., etc. And the question that disturbed the Mepharshei Apshat, that both Ramban and Ibn Ezra examined, is, might be phrased as follows, Ma Inyan Parshat Har Sinai, it's Yikra. Because, after all, Har Sinai, uh, and what I mean by this is, what is the connection, or what is the, the matter, or the placement uh, of a Parshat Sinai doing here in Sefer Vayikra. Because the whole idea of Sinai or Sinai is one of our symbols or markers of Sefer Shemot. It's Sefer Shemot that happens at, at Har Sinai. And here suddenly, at the very end of Sefer Vayikra, we have a lengthy Parshat, Parakafe and Parakafav, which seems to be, so to speak, almost out of place. A Parshat Sinai that is not located in Sefer Shemot, but in Sefer Vayikra. Um, now, un- until this point, um, I've kind of explored the, the question uh, in what might be thought of as a relatively technical way, as a question of literary placement. And this, on some level, is the way the Ramban and Ibn Ezra uh, phrased the issue. Uh, what is the Parsha of Parakafei and Parakafav doing here at the end of Sefer But this also might be thought of in a kind of thematic fashion. Uh, and here I would like to return very briefly uh, to the very beginning uh, I'll go back to the very, very beginning of Sefer Vayikra. Um, and a point made in a few places by Ramban. Um, Vayikra, uh, Perak Aleph, Pasik Aleph, opens as follows. 
ויקרא משה, השם קול תמושה וידבר השם אליו מאום אוהד, נאמר אנגד, ספוקתם מאום אוהד מתנת המילים, דבר על בני ישראל, ואמרת עליהם, ספיק תבני ישראל ונצאת להם אדם, כי יקריב מכם קורבן להשם מן הבהמה, מן הבקר, מן הצאן, תקריב את קורבנכם. ספר ויקרא opens with Hashem calling to Moshe from the Ol Mo'ed. The Sefer of Hayekrai is about the Ol Mo'ed, about the Mishkan, about the Tabernacle, about the Mikdash in some sense. It's about Korbanot. It opens with Korbanot, Adam Kiyakir Mikem Korban. Um, it's about Konim and the laws of Konim. And it seems to be primarily about things connected to the Mishkan or Korbanot or Konim or the laws of Kaddishim, the laws of holy objects and the like. Until the point where Chazal referred to um, Sefer Vayikra as Sefer Torat Koanim, the laws of procedures of Koanim, and Ramban in his commentary makes the point that most of Vayikra is about uh, the technical procedures and the laws pertaining to Koanim. But if that is correct, uh, I think on some level this deepens our question of Ma. Inyan, Shmita, Yovel, Vibrit, the laws of the seventh year and the laws of the fiftieth year, and the and the brachot and the kalot, the the promises and the possible bad aspects of the covenant with God. What is that doing here? How does that plug in, not just on the literary plane in terms of its placement, but on the thematic plane? What is its connection to the ideas of Sefer Vayikra? And this is a kind of thematic side of the literary question of placement that I raised previously in the name of Rabbanan Ibn Ezra. Now, in this shiur today, I would like to primarily focus on the approach of Ibn Ezra uh, to this question. But even beforehand, as I've already mentioned Ramban, uh, a brief uh, mention of Ramban's opinion is in order, uh, in that the question of how to explain the placement of Parakafe and Parakafa here in Sefer Vayikra Splits into two, and there are there are two approaches uh, to this question. What might be thought of as Ramban, the chronological approach, the kind of almost simple answer, and what might be thought of as Ibn Ezra, the non-chronological, uh, but on some level I think the, the more exciting and more interesting answer to the problem. Uh, let us begin briefly uh, with Ramban. Ramban tells us that in order to understand the placement of Parakafe and Parakavav, of Sefer Vayikra here in the book, at the end of the book, we have to go all the way back to Sefer Shmot, uh, to Sefer Shmot, in fact, to Perak Kafdalad. And let's pick Perak Kafdalad, Pazak Zion. We have to kind of think hard about the chronology of uh, the Chumash. Going back to Perak Kafdalad, Pazak Zion, in Sefer Shmot, uh, I think I mentioned Sefer Shmot a moment ago, it takes us all the way back to Sefer Shmot. Kafdalad Zion says as follows. When Moshe came down from Har Sinai at the end of Parshat Mishpatim, Moshe took the Sefer Habrit, the book of the covenant that had just been written down after Am Yisrael said Naseh Benishma, and he read it out in the ears of the people, and they said, Everything that God says we will uh, do and we will listen, they said it again. Vayikach Moshe et Adam, Moshe took blood, Vayizrok al Ha'am, and he threw it on the people, Vayomah hinei dam habrit, here is the blood of the covenant, the shakrat Hashem yimachem, that God has made or cut with you this day, al kol hadvarim e'la, and all of these things that have been read out, the laws of the Torah read out from the Sefer Abrit, from the book of the covenant, and the fact that the people had said, Naseh v'nishma, in response. And then after the contracting of the covenant of 
Sinai in Perak Kavdalet of Sefer Shmot, the Torah tells us in Kavdalet Tet as follows. And Moshe went up to the mountain, etc., etc., etc. Now, why did Moshe go up to the mountain? Well, Moshe went up to the mountain um, to get the Luchot Abrit, to get the stone tablets. Um, and Moshe went up to the mountain to receive the laws of how to construct the Mishkan, etc., etc. And Ramat tells us we have to kind of think abstractly and follow through the chronology of what happens from this point on. While Moshe is up on the mountain, of course, the people sin with the Egel HaZahav. The people uh, commit idolatry. The people break the covenant. And when Moshe comes down from the mountain and breaks the Luchot and breaks the tablets, the kind of written record of the covenant, that's a sign of the fact that the covenant is broken. And then Moshe goes back up the mountain and we have the story of Shemot Perak Lamed Gimel and Perak Lamed Dalet and Moshe is pleading for mercy and the Yud Gimel Midot and the revelation of the 13 attributes of mercy and the recreation or the reconstruction of the covenant anew, uh, what the Ramban refers to as the new covenant. And then after the covenant has been renewed. And after Moshe is given the second set of Luchot, well now, it's time to make uh, the Mishkan. Um, it's time to put it together. It's time to be make Kim the Mishkan, to finally set it up. Because now God's presence is going to be amongst B'nai Yisrael. And after the Mishkan is set up by the end of Sefer Shmot, well now we have to deal with the technicalities of Mishkan. We have to deal with Kohanim and Korbanot and the laws of sanctified objects, and therefore we get Sefer Vayikra. And Sefer Vayikra is almost, on some level, according to Ramban, a kind of digression into the technicalities of the Mishkan. And now that we've finished all of the laws of Torah Tkonim, we come all the way back to Vayikra Perakafhei. But where are we when we arrive back in Vayikra Perakafhei, according to Ramban? We, in point of fact, are really still back at Har Sinai. We are in still the laws that are part of the covenant, Shemitah and Yovel, and the conditions of that covenant, the brachot and the klolot, the brachot that will come upon B'nai Yisrael if they keep that covenant of Sinai, and the klolot that will come upon them if they do not keep that covenant of Sinai. So Ramban takes the approach in answer to the question of Ma Inyan uh, Shemitah V'yovel Perek Kafei and Perek Kafav to Sefer Vayikra Ma'anyan Sinai Eitzel Parshat Vayikra Eitzel Sefer Vayikra the answer is that the Torah is here in chronological order and it's kind of a return to the original topic before the digression of Torah Kohanim of Sefer Vayikra after the setting up of the Mishkan and this is Ramban's approach now as I've already pointed out there is a second approach the non-chronological approach, that of Ibn Ezra, which I would like to explore in the remainder of this year, one which I think is, on some level, slightly more interesting and exciting, or provides some interesting pathways not found in the first chronological approach that we've outlined already. Uh, let me read you from Ibn Ezra's comment here at the beginning of the Iker Parakafei, Pasuk Aleph, said, uh, Ibn Ezra says as follows, Bahar Sinai, Commenting on the words Har Sinai, Ein Mukdam Muhar Batorah. And loosely translating, there is no chronological order in the Torah. The Zoha Parsha Kodem Vayikra. And of course, this entire Parsha of Parakafe and Parakafav, Shemitah, Yovel, the contracting of the covenant, the Brachot, and the Klalot, happened 
before Sefer Vayikra. Bechol HaParshiyot Shem Achorav and all the parshiyot that are after that. Ki Adibur Bahar Sinai because there's a particular mention of the speech at Har Sinai here. Va'ata Karet Habrit Haktuva Beparshat Ve'ilam Meshpatim And now yeah, in these parshiot is when you have the final establishment of the covenant that was mentioned back in Parshat Mishpatim. Now wait a second. If Ibn Ezra takes the approach that in that that's fine as it may be. There is no chronological order to the Torah, and it's perfectly fine that some sort of Parshat Sinai, Perak and Perak Shemitah, Yovel, Brachot, Kolot, and Brit appears here at the end of Sefer Vayikra. That, that's fine. It's, it's not a problem that it's out of chronological order. But on some level, uh, as always, the, the, the approach of Ein Mutam Muchar Torah begs the question of the logical arrangement of the Torah. Um, okay, so it's not a problem that it's here, but why is it here? And what Ibn Ezra needs to explain to us, if the answer to the why it's here is not chronology, there's got to be some sort of logical answer to the why it's here. And Ibn Ezra goes on to explain why Parakafe and Parakavav are here at the end of Sefer Vayikra, some sort of logical answer that has nothing to do with chronology, and he points us to a very interesting uh, parallel, conceptual parallel, between something that happens here um, in, in Parakafe and Parakavav and something that happens in Sefer Vayikra in general. And I'll read you his comment and I'll try to unpack his approach. He says as follows. And it was mentioned in this place, per kafe and per kafav, to compose or attach um, the conditions of possession of the land. As it was said regarding the illicit marriages, because of them the land will vomit you out. So it was said in Parshat B'chukotai, Al Shabbatot Aretz, on the Sabbaths of the land, V'ezkir B'tkila Parshat Shabbatot. A bit unclear. Let me try to explain what I think Ibn Ezra means here in this reference to Arayot. Ibn Ezra points to a very interesting parallel that exists between something in Parak Kafei, Parak Kafav on the one hand, and something that happens previously in Sefer Vayikra. Let us take a look to understand this at Parak Kafavav, Pasuk Lamed Gimel, here, within the context of Shemitah, Yovel, Bracha, Klala, etc. Um, Parak Kavav, Pasuk Lamed Gimel, uh, says as follows, in forecasting, in prognosticating uh, the eventual Galut that will be visited upon Am Yisrael, uh, Parak Kavav, Pasuk Lamed Gimel, says as follows, Ve'etchem ezareh bagoyim, and you I will so, or spread out, or throw out, uh, amongst, spit out amongst the nations, and a, and a, a sword will chase after you, then will be desolate, and your cities will be destroyed. Then the land will be able to appease or achieve uh, its Shabbatot, all the days of destruction and desolation, you will be in the nations of your enemies, then the land will rest, and achieve its Shabbatot. All the days of destruction, the land will rest, that which it did not rest, and by no coincidence, the word Shabbat here in these Tupsukim appears seven times. Interestingly enough, the same seven times that the word Shabbat appeared at the beginning of Eikra Parakafe in the command section. In the command section, Shabbat appears seven times, and here in the transgression section, when Am Yisrael goes into Galut and then the land rests, um, 
then the word Shabbat appears seven times. And of course, a bit later on, uh, in a similar way, in Parakavav, Pasuk Mem Gimel, we're told as follows, Va'aretz te'azev mehem, the land will uh, be free of them, or abandoned of v'tiretz et Shabbatoteha, and it can rest its Shabbatot, behashma mehem, when they are, when it is desolate of them. Behem yotzuot avonam, and they will appease their sins, ya'an ubiyan b'mishpatayim ma'asu, uh, in exchange for the fact that they scorned my mishpatim, and their chukim were disgusting to me. There's a concept and an idea that during the time that Am Yisrael is in Galut, then the land makes up for, or accounts uh, for all of the Shabbatot Aretz, all of the Shemitot and Yovlot that the people had not kept. And in Divrei Chazal, found in the Mishnah in Avot, in uh, Perak uh, Tat, in Parakeh, Mishnah Tat, we're told that Galut is Baal Olam because of the Avon and Shemitot of Yolot, and the exile happens because of lack of keeping of the mitzvah of uh, Shemitah and Yovel. And Ibn Ezra points out to the fact that this parallels something else found in Sefer Vayikra, something found previously in Sefer Vayikra. If we go back to the moment to Parak Yudchet, to what is known as the Parsha of Arayot. After the beginning of Perak Yudchet tells us that one should not do like the Maaseh Eretz Mitzrayim or the Maaseh Eretz Kenan when one comes to the land, like the actions of the Egyptians, the Canaanites, when one comes to the land. One should not engage in all of the various to'evot, all of the various repulsive behaviors of these nations. Or one should not engage in all of the Arayot, all the illicit sexual relations. We're told in Vayikra Perak Yudchet, the, the following. Al titamu elah. Do not become defiled by all of these. Ki Because through all of these, all the nations of the land uh, that I send uh, out in front of you became defiled. They defiled the land after being defiled. And the sin was visited upon the it or upon them. And the land literally vomited out um, its previous inhabitants. In contrast, B'nai Yisrael should be careful to keep the chukim of God and not to engage in these to'evot. And then again, in Pasuk Kavzayin, Perekiket Pasuk Kavzayin, Ki'et kol to'evot ha'el asu anshe'a aretz ha'shel v'nei'chem batitma aretz. They did all these repulsive behaviors and the land was defiled. V'lot takia aretz etchem betamatchem otak kasher ka'at agayim ha'shel v'nei'chem. And the idea is, when Am Yisrael comes into the land, if they will not engage in arayot, if they will not engage in to'evot, if they will keep the chukim of God, then they will not be vomited out by the land. Of course, by implication, if they do not keep the chukim, if they defile the land, then they will be vomited out of the land. And Ibn Ezra points out that this is the exact same conceptual structure to what appears in Parshat B'chotai in Parakavav at the end of the narrative, at the end of the story of Shemitah, Yovel, Brachot, Kolot, and Brit. If the people do not keep the laws of Shemitah v'Yovel, the Chukotai of Bichukotai, then they, so to speak, defile the land and they are vomited out on some level by the land. So it's this conceptual parallel between Veker Perak Yudchet, Parshat Arayot, uh, sin leading to exile, and Veker Perak Kafei Perak Kavav, lack of keeping of Shemitah and Yovel leading to exile, that accounts for the deferment, for the placement 
of Shemitah and Yovel, the whole Parshat Sinai, Perak and Perak here at the end of Sefer Vayikra, because it fits into the Vayikra theme of sin leading to exile. Uh, apparently, this is some sort of Vayikra theme, according to Ibn Ezra, and that's why it's placed here, because of this conceptual parallel. Now, I think this is basically correct, um, and it does quite explain uh, quite a bit of the placement of Vayikra Perak Kafei here at the end of Sefer Vayikra, uh, this Parshat Sinai, this kind of conceptual parallel of uh, sin leading to exile. Yet, at the same time, in order to make it really work, I think we uh, need to say something else about Sefer Vayikra, about it being something else other than just Torah Konim, the laws of Konim. Because as the laws of Konim and just the laws of Konim, it's not so clear that Sefer Vayikra should be concerned with the land vomiting out its inhabitants and themes of exile and the like. So, in order to complete the picture of Ibn Ezra, I think we would need to add a little bit to it or to, to deepen our understanding of what Sefer Vayikra is all about. And this is what I would like to do to try to round out the picture. Um, to do so, I'd like to return to our parsha, Vayikra Per Cafe, to the beginning of it, and discuss another little interesting mystery, which I think is readily apparent at the beginning of Ayikra Parakafe, Parakafe, Pasuk Bet, says as follows again, Daber al Bnei Yisrael va'amata alehem. Say to Bnei Yisrael, uh, speak to them, ki tavo'a la'aretz ashininotein lachem, when people come to the land that I'm going to give you, v'shavta ha'aretz, Shabbat Lashem, and the land shall rest a Shabbat Lashem. The word Shabbat appears here twice, going on. Parakafe, Pasuk Gimel, so for six years, or six, let's say six X, for six X you do your work, uh, going on, but on the seventh X, Shabbat, Shabbaton, Yel, Aretz, Shabbat, Lashem. Now, I don't mean to belabor the point, but here in the text, we have here all of the standard uh, markers of what we sometimes call, at least what the Mepharshim call, Shabbat Bereshit. Uh, the Shabbat that is Echelamase Bereshit, that is a reminder of the creation of the world. The Shabbat that occurs on the seventh day. We, of course, have the phrase here, Shabbat, and we have, we don't even really need to look at other places in the Chumash, Shabbat Lashem, which is a phrase often used for Shabbat. We have Shabbat Shabbaton, which is also mentioned in the Countess of Shabbat. We have the logical structure of 6x, do your work, and on the seventh, you rest. And the same is there, it's six days you work, and on the seventh you rest. Here it's six years you work, and on the seventh you rest. And interestingly enough, without belaboring the point, I mentioned this previously, in Parakafe, Pasuk Aleph through Zion, which is the small section that details the laws of Shabbat Ta'aretz here, you have the term Shabbat seven times, seven Pesukim seven times, Shabbat Lashem, Shabbat Shabbaton, six X you work, and seven you rest. All of the Symbols, every parallel you could possibly want to stand the Shabbat Bereshit. Now, this really isn't surprising because, after all, this is the seventh year, Shabbat Ta'aretz, and what's the problem? The problem is, is that in the previous appearance of the seventh year um, in the Torah, and here I would like to go back for the moment to Shmot Perek Kaf Gimel, Pasuk Yud Aleph, all of this is absolutely absent. And in point of fact, there is a completely different name that is used for the seventh year. The name that we colloquially use, that we began uh, with at the beginning of the shiur. In Baker Perk Kaf Gimel, 
Pasigir Aleph in Shmot, pardon me, Shmot, per Kafkemo, Pasigir Aleph, the Torah says as follows. Vashviit Tishmetena. In the seventh year you cease or leave it or abandon uh, your field or your work. Vinatashta, and you abandon it. Vachlu Avione Amecha, and the poor people eat Vitram Tochachayata Sadeh, and the remainder will be eaten by the animals of the field. King Tasela Kamacha Lezetecha. In Shmot Parak, Kaf Gimel, we have the seventh year and the prohibition of Melacha, the prohibition of labor, and the fact that the land is Hefker and it belongs to no one and anyone can eat from it. And we have all of these laws and we have it without any mention or hint of the concept of Shabbat Ha'aretz, the Sabbath of the land. No Shabbat Lashem, and no Shabbat Shabbaton, and no Shabbat seven times. It's just plain old Shemitah. And apparently what's happened here, when we come to Sefer Vayikra, Vayikra Kafe, somehow... Shemitah has been transformed or is phrased as this full-fledged notion of Shabbat Ta'aretz, Shabbat Lashem, etc. And the question is why? What is it about the end of Sefer Ve'ikra that causes us to consider or talk about, or causes the Torah to consider or talk about um, uh, Shemitah as Shabbat Lashem, Shabbat Shabbaton, Shabbat Ta'aretz? And I think this is kind of quite interesting. Now, the answer is to realize, and this I already explored a little bit last week, is that it's not just Vayikra Perak Cafe uh, and onward that seem to put in Shabbat here in a kind of interesting and unusual way, but this pattern has already happened, already begun back in Vayikra Perak Kaf Gimel, and uh, I briefly refer to the term Maharat HaShabbat that uh, I discussed last week. In point of fact, it might be said that the latter half of Sefer Vayikra uses the term Shabbat in almost every parsha, almost in every place it can. There's almost a kind of obsession uh, with the term Shabbat throughout the latter half of, uh, latter part of Sefer Vayikra. Um, and I think in order to understand this, we would need to look at a few psukim at the beginning of Vayikra Perk Kaf Gimel, where this pattern begins, and let us take a look at some psukim there and present an interesting idea mentioned by the Sforno, and also elaborated on a few times by Rav Soloveitchik. Ve'ikaparek kaf gimel says as follows, Ve'idaber Hashem el Moshe le'mor, daber el b'nei Yisrael v'armata alehem, mo'adei Hashem ashetikru otam mikra'ei kodesh elahei mo'adai. And let's translate now in the standard way, mo'adei, the times or the holidays uh, of God, that you will sanctify as being kodesh, these are my holidays. And then the Torah goes on, Six days shall you do uh, your labor. Um, and on the seventh day, it's Shabbat Shabbaton, the phrase Shabbat Shabbaton, which we already mentioned in the Shior. Mikar Kodesh, sanctified as Kodesh. Don't do any labor. Shabbat Lashem. Shabbat Lashem. Same exact kind of notion of Shabbat Breshit. It's Shabbat Shabbaton. Shabbat Lashem. Now, famously, uh, this is rather strange. Um, what are the Moadot, the times, the holidays doing here in Sefer Vayikra? What is the connection between the holidays and Torah's Kohanim, the laws of Kohanim, between the Mishkan and sanctified objects, everything that's come beforehand? And moreover, in what sense is Shabbat a, a holiday? Um, Shabbat is not a holiday. Uh, Shabbat is Shabbat. The holidays have a fixed calendaric time. Um, well, well, Shabbat, Shabbat's a holiday? Rather strange. The answer is to realize uh, is that on some level um, we haven't understood the word moed properly. And 
I would like to point out to uh, point to a piece of text in Sefer Shmot, one that I think indicates the right way to understand Moed, to add a comment of the Svorno and Rav Salavechik, to say something about Sefer Vayikra, and then hopefully to put the big picture together. Go back briefly, all the way to Shmot Per Kaftet, where the Torah talks about Ohel Moed, uh, what we often translate as the the tent of literally of of meeting, and in Shmot Per Kaftet. Um, Pasuk uh, Membet, we read the following in, in regarding the Korban Tamid, the Parshat Korbanot. Olat Tamid Techem. It is a constant offering for your generations. Petach Al Moed, the door of the tent of meeting of Nei Hashem. Asher Ivaed Lachem Shama, that I will meet with you there, L'Daber Elach Hashem, to speak with you. V'no Adeti Shama L'Bnei Yisrael. And I will meet with Bnei Yisrael there, V'Nikdash B'Chvodi, and I will be sanctified. What the Torah sets up in Parshat Tetzaveh is that the word Moed really means meeting, um, and that the Oamoed, the tent of meeting, is a moment of Kedusha, because the real idea of Kedusha is, of course, the meeting with God. Now, Svarno says is that the same as um, the tent of meeting, the Oamoed, is a way to have Hashra'at Hashkina, the presence of God, so too, um, the Chagim, the Moadim, the holidays, the Moed, the, the moed that is defined um, in Vekar Per Kaf Gimel, are ways of hashra'at shechina, times of the resting of God's presence, ways to meet with God. And the point that Rav Salavechik made in many of his writings was that there are two types of sanctity. There are two types of mo'ed uh, in the Torah or in Sefer Vayikra. There is the kdushat uh, ha-makom, the sanctity of place, and there is Kedushat Hazman, the sanctity of time. And while much of Sefer Vayikra, and here to say something about the book, while much of Sefer Vayikra is concerned with the Omoe, the tent of meaning, the Koanim, uh, the laws of sanctified objects, Kedushat Hamakom, the sanctity of place and of objects and of the physical world, much of Sefer Vayikra, beginning with Vayikra Perak Kafkimon, in the discussion of the holidays, the other type of Moed, of meeting with God in time, is concerned with that other type of Kedusha, the sanctity of time, Kedushat Hazman. And of course, Shabbat um, is the first uh, example of Kedushat Hazman, and in that sense, Shabbat is uh, a kind of uh, Moed, a kind of marker of the sanctity of time. To put the idea together here, we should no longer wonder as to why is it that the latter part of Sefer Vayikra uses the term Shabbat as much as possible in places where we might not expect it. Because what Sefer Vayikra is concerned with is not really Torah Kohanim. What Sefer Vayikra is concerned with is Kedushah, holiness, in all of its sundry variations, both as Kedushat HaMakom, uh, the sanctity of space and of the physical world, as elaborated on mostly in the first part of the book, but also with Kedushat Hazman, the sanctity of time, which begins um, in Vekar Perak Kaf Gimel. And as part of uh, that discourse on Kedushat Hazman, the holiness of time, that focus on Kedushat Hazman, Vekar uses the term Shabbat over and over and over, and plain old Shemitah becomes, on some level, Shabbat Haaretz, uh, the sanctity of the land and the sanctity of time in the land uh, as part of this general theme of Kedusha that we have in Sefer Ve'ikra and Sefer Kedusha. Now, how can we bring this all together and kind of add to Ibn Ezra to explain why Shemitah and Yovel and the Brit are located here at the end of Sefer Ve'ikra at the end of Sefer Kedusha? Well, 
on some level, um, Shmita and Yovel are wonderful examples of the intermingling, of the intermix of Kedushat HaMakom and Kedushat HaZman. They are time-based. They occur in the seventh or in the fiftieth year, and they are like Shabbat. They're part of the theme of Shabbat and Shabbat Ta'aretz. It's Kedushat Tazman. But they also are only Nohag in Eretz Yisrael, in the holy place that B'nai Yisrael are going to come to. And in this sense, they represent the idea of Kedushat HaMakom as well, the sanctity of space. In fact, the end of the book of Kedushah, Sefer Kedushah Vayikra, intermingles Kedushat HaMakom and Kedushat Tazman, the sanctity of place and the sanctity of time, in all of these laws of Shemitah Ve'ovel. And hence, this is a kind of fitting end to Sefer Vayikra. And this is on some level why it's placed at the end of Sefer Vayikra. It's part of the general theme of uh, Sefer HaKadusha. But there's more to it than this. And here I'd like to kind of add to Ibn Ezra. What Ibn Ezra really in the end of the day taught us is that there are three types of Kedusha that Sefer Vayikra is concerned about. There's Kedushat HaGuf, the Kedusha of the person, the Kedusha of actions, the refraining from arayot, the keeping of mitzvot, the topic of achremot and kedoshim. And there's of course also kedushat hazman and kedushat tamakom, mishkan and shemitah and yovel. And b'nei Yisrael keeping the covenant, um, uh, keeping these kinds of kedushot, guarding these kedushot and these kinds of holiness, uh, that is the only way for them to keep the covenant, and for them to stay in the land. And this is really, on some level, the fitting end of Sefer Ve'ikra. And that's why Shemitah, Yovel, um, Kedushat Azman, Kedushat HaMakom, and the keeping the covenant placed at the end of Sefer Ve'ikra, in kind of parallel, as Ibn Ezra pointed out, Kedushat HaGuf of Arayot, where again, if these various Kedushot are not kept by B'nai Yisrael, they eventually, of course, will go into exile. But this is part of the theme of the entire Sefer, and this is perhaps what we can learn from Ibn Ezra.